Welcome to the Fifth Estate. They bring you the story. We bring you the truth. The Fifth Estate is the news behind the headlines, holding those in power in check. And now, with the real story, here's Cameron Blewett. Good evening, Victoria, and thank you for joining me here on this episode 70 of the Fifth Estate podcast. I'm going to get straight into it. A couple of rants. Uh, I might get back on my soapbox again uh, and all that sort of stuff. So I will do my best to keep this a family-friendly episode. Um, though coming out at this time of night, um, it may not be. So uh, these being warned. Now, something that is bound to get me on my soapbox, there was a bit of a puff piece in the Herald Sun. Uh, what's that? Friday. Um, about... The Chief Commissioner of Victoria Police, Shane Patton. It's a wonderful puff piece. Um, they've got him superimposed on a crowd, standing there with his arms on his hips and all that sort of crap. Um, and it goes on. And it, but this is basically, at, in the lead up to the election, it can't be anything else other than a puff piece. And honestly, uh, I'm a bit disappointed that the... Herald Sun is doing this. I would have expected something more like this to come from uh, The Age or uh, any of those other uh, Dan-friendly papers out there, Uh, news sources, media sources, whatever you want to call them, though, um, you know, it's... um, It's one of those things. The crop court press is always going to, you know do what they can for the government and the establishments and all that sort of stuff. Um, so, yeah. So, anyway, undoubtedly, you know, as you read through it, it goes on and, like, it is a, a fairly decent article, um, given a bit of a puff piece about him. And, honestly, as far as I'm concerned, no, nah, too bad. I think he needs to resign. Um so, but something that was interesting is um, one of the comments, Patton with a long street policing history was seen by other officers as a, quote, unquote, real cop upon his appointment. Now, um, no, he's a politician now. Uh, so where was it? There was a... Where are we? Um, now Patton admits, now Patton can now admit to moments when he could express himself better. Um, asked about unpopular bans when Patton announced that police would patrol playgrounds, he cites 10 or 20 press conferences that he could have done better. Um, so 3AW's Neil Mitchell blows winds up, wind up his kyber saying he is the most forthright of any recent police commissioner. Uh, um... Patton calls the pandemic a, quote, tricky time. He was performing a duty that neither he nor his police had trained for nor wanted to do. So if they didn't want to do it, why the hell did they do it? Um, so, yeah, this is thing. So, anyway, back to this article. He talks about being, quote, bruised, arguing that we all were, describing the pandemic as anything but natural. The image of Victoria Police took a hit, he admits. Uh He recalls laughing how he announced that police measures to restrict 
movement were not a ring of steel, only to find the measures would, were, it would instantly be known as a ring of steel. For him, police pandemic response sometimes felt like a no-win. His officers were too zealous or too soft, according to who you asked. Um, he understands that some people perceive the fiercely guarded independence of the force was challenged. He also disputes that claim. He denies disagreements with Slugger and Supreme Leader Andrews. Um, so anyway, uh, blah, 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 blah. Patton declares that A, Victoria Police largely got it right and B, some eyebrows will be raised by this declaration. He won't concede the higher profile cases such as Zoe Buller, the pregnant mother arrested at home for incitement in charges later dropped. But he does speak of an unusually protracted crisis of toilet paper fights and fines for people who went out for a surf. Uh, went for a surf. Um, he poses his own question. Is it something that I necessarily wanted to do? Uh, I don't think any police, joined, police officer joined up to be doing these actions, he replied. As for the... As for the wonders of post-crisis analysis, if I had the wisdom of hindsight at the time, I'd be a much better chief commissioner and a much richer man as well. Now, that's the thing. You know, as I've said, he didn't have to do it. He didn't have to do what he did. He didn't have to send, um, you know, certain soggies and um, the port guys out after the protesters. Now, let's remember is that they fired rubber bullets, on the protesters at the shrine, and yet they took the knee for Black Lives Matter. Now, for those who who came in late and don't really know, uh, Black Lives Matter is an international group that actually aims to get rid of the police. Um, uh, having a look at um, about Black Lives Matter. Um, Very expensive. Oh, there was something there that said that their aims. Uh, I can't find it. Resources. BLM demands. Um, number five, defund the police. Okay, this is it. So this is the thing is that they took a knee for a group that wants to defund the police, yet the Victorians who are only out there saying, you know, doing what is supposedly a human right or the ability to protest, they fired freaking rubber bullets at them. And remember, rubber bullets have a 3% fatality rate, whereas the Wu flu only has a 1%. So you're three times more likely to, if you were hit with a rubber bullet, to die with that, die from that, than you were from uh, the Wu flu. So, you know, this is, this is a puff piece for um, the Andrews regime. Nothing more, nothing less uh, to get people on side with the enforcement arm of the state uh, and have them, you know, oh, you know, they were only doing their job. Well, big freaking deal. Like they have discretion and all that sort of stuff. So they didn't have to turn up there. They didn't have to go out with the, the soggies, as I said, the soggies, the cert, um, the CIRT and the port guys didn't have to do that, didn't have to go out with battens, didn't have to, you know, pepper spray everyone there, didn't have to do any of that, yet they chose to and they were directed to by someone somewhere. So it doesn't matter how far down the food chain it was, it is all because of him. So for him to turn around and, 
you know, try and, and do what he can to restore the image. As far as I'm concerned, the only way Victoria Police can restore their image, uh, in my eyes, is if, first of all, everyone from Chief Commissioner down to probably uh, Inspector resigns immediately. No tenure oh, at the you know at the end of the term or at the end of my contract. I'm going to resign. No, resign immediately. Yes, there will be a uh, a massive leadership vacuum there. Big deal. Um, and he should turn around and say, no, you know what? We screwed up over the last two years. We need civilian oversight. It you know the, the management of Victoria Police is too big for one person. It needs a civilian board. Uh, so it's a thing. Get rid of the the, the blue shirts. Um, you know, get rid of uh, licensing and regulation, get rid of any number of things. That is, is how they can go to start repairing their relationship with the community. Um, and, and it's the thing is that, no, you know, a, a, a puff piece like this is not going to change people's minds. Um, if, it, if it has, then, you know, you really haven't thought about uh, how dangerous this organisation is, is and how dangerous this individual is. Uh, the ability, like the, the, the scope and the things that he can do as Chief Commissioner is uh, phenomenal. Uh, a public servant should not have that much authority. They should not be able to screw with people's lives the way that they are, they can. So it's the thing. No, as far as I'm concerned, no. Puff piece, I mean, you, you could... Uh, you know, have him on the street corner at, at, at Flinders Street handing out, you know, freaking packets of toilet paper to everyone who walked past. Still wouldn't make a lick of difference as far as I'm concerned. As I've said, he needs to resign and everyone down the food chain needs to resign uh, because the way that they've handled the last two years has been absolutely disgraceful. Uh, so um, anyway, anyway, uh, I will... I will, I will come down now, have a long, deep breath. Um, so, yes, so it's a thing. No, this is, um, you know, a, a, a puff piece for him um, and it's just done to improve the look of the Andrews regime uh, and it's absolutely disgusting that the Herald Sun has, has turned around and done that. Uh, so, yes, it, it's... Yeah, it is one of those things that I really don't know what's going on with the world anymore. You would have thought that a supposed right-wing newspaper such as the Herald Sun would have actually been critical of him and say, hey, this is where he's stuffed up. You know what? These are the people whose lives have been ruined by the actions of his force and yet, no, let's blow wind up his kyber. Um, so, but anyway, as I said, I'll get off my soapbox on that one, but yeah, no, no, um, I've lost all respect for for the you know, Victoria Police over the last two years, and you know it's it's not something that I don't think is going to come back anytime soon um, for that one. So let's move on now. Coming sticking along the the election uh, side of things, there's a new. When was it released? Oh, it was actually released today. Um, coalition plans to cap public transport costs at $2 a day for all but V-line train services. Now, it's going. this plan 
which will cost nearly $1.3 billion over four years, is estimated to save families that typically use trains, trams and buses about three and a half grand a year. Um, why? Why do we need to have $2 transport costs, $2 train fares? Um, I mean, you know, it, it's the thing. You have to it, – it just – as you can see, I'm lost for words on that one. Um, it just baffles me is that, you know, the, the the state is in so much debt it's not funny and that here they are turning around saying, oh, yep, we're just going to take some money out. We're just going to pump more money into uh, a, a what? What is it? Third-rate public transport system uh, and, you know, hopefully get more patronage. Well, Why? Why? Why do we need two dollar bus fares, uh, train fares? Why do we need, you know, two dollars uh, for that one? So it's, you know, it it, it just baffles me. Um, I honestly think that public transport should be a little bit more expensive than what it is. Uh, maybe we could get a decent system if it was, uh, and it should be. If it's been privatized, it should be run as a private business, not something that the government forks money out for. Uh, it should be run, you know, solely privately funded because um, that's what they've done. They've privatised it all. Uh, have it solely private, privately funded. Government doesn't hand any money in into it. And if these guys can't get their the, the you know the bums on the seat, so to speak, well then that's their loss. Why should we, the taxpayer, have to pay for it? Why is why should I, as someone who hasn't caught public transport? In the last couple of years, why should I have to subsidise someone else's cost? You know, ability to get into the CBD when I don't, or or to get somewhere else. Uh, why should I subsidise that? Uh, you know, they're not going to turn around and subsidise my fuel costs or or my servicing repairs or anything like that on my vehicle. So why should I subsidise them now? Before you turn around and say, "Oh, but that's not the way we operate out here," well, not it's a thing. I, I think that we should. Um, you know, yes, I understand we pay taxes and everything like that, though taxes should go to things that are, uh, you know, meaningful society and help build society and improve society. Um, having a bunch of people catch a train into town uh, isn't necessarily going to improve society. Um, you know what? You know, they're working. Um, I think the pensioners and things like that to a certain extent, yes, they should have subsidised travel because uh, some of the stuff that, you know, they're required to do in town, um, if it's public transport, then, you know, your transport costs can be eaten up. Uh, oh, sorry, your um, uh, available funds can be eaten up by transport costs. So I think that that's something that we should look at, you know, maybe doing and, you know, obviously, you know, gold card holders and everything like that. I reckon free public transport um, because I think that, you know, it's more from the, the debt that we owe them anything than anything else uh, for that one. Um, but then I'd also like to see there being uh, no more gold card recipients uh, because I think that we should get out of all the wars and everything like that. So uh, that's one of those interesting things that I'll um, maybe round about in a later episode. Uh, but yeah, this is the thing, you know, as I said in um, the previous episodes, I think the, the, the Liberal Party, they're just, uh, 
Um, I think they're rudderless at the moment. They don't know which way that they're going. They're just whatever way, whatever way the breeze blows, they're going to steer their ship that way. Um, so, yeah, it, it's the thing. I yeah, it's it makes me wonder for this state um, because it's becoming obvious that the uh, Labor Party is going to retain government, uh, whether. Uh, Supreme Leader Andrews does, uh, he's at the head of it or not. Uh, that's something that remains to be seen. Hopefully he isn't. Uh, so, yeah, it, it's it's something that we'll just have to wait and see. Now, uh, yeah, so anyway, moving on to the next one. Uh, what do we got? Our big white elephant out at Micklem, uh, the quarantine hub, uh, which was, what is it, the Centre for National Resilience? $580 million. $580 million. And it only housed 2,168 people in total. All right, so if you work that out, it's two hundred grand, $267,000 per person who stayed there, not counting running costs of around $1.5 million per week. Uh, so... Yeah, it's the thing. I mean, this, this this building should never, you know, compound should never have been built. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's just something that, you know, what should we be surprised from the Labor regime? Um, ultimately, you know, like it's there now. So, you know, there, there's got to be use for it. We've got to get some money, some use out of it somehow. Um, so why not? Turn around and, and make it for um, as a uh, like a um, I won't say halfway house, but more like a um, stopgap for those who are um, you know e- escaping um, situations that are dangerous to their health or, or their um, physical safety. Uh, you know, even for those who are. Um, you know, who are homeless or, or displaced or anything like that, um, you know, let them move in there. Um, I think that it is something that, that should be done for that. Um, oh, as I said, you know, I'm not going to send the politicians there because, as I said in uh, yesterday's episode, I want to see them in a uh, a nice little clear, you know, in a, you know clear glass or, or plastic um, living space in the middle of Federation Square where we can all look at them over the next couple of years. Uh, that's where I want to see them. Um, I don't want to see them anywhere else other than that. So we can uh, throw tomatoes at, at them every day uh, and all that sort of stuff. Uh, but, yeah, it, it's something that they shouldn't be hidden away. Uh, these politicians need to be out in daylight. Uh, that's the best disinfectant for their corruption. Uh, daylight and um, this is what, you know, as an set, set an example for them. Anyway, I won't get onto that soapbox again. But yeah, I mean, this is the thing. Like, you know, why? Why was it built? Uh, we know that uh, come, you know, whenever winter hits again next year. So what's that? Uh, May, June, when the next virus comes out. Uh, you know, Supreme Leader Andrews, or or even Supreme Leader Guy, if he's able to. Uh, string enough um, seats together to be able to form government, he's going to be sending people there. 
Uh, so this is this is why they've never said that they're, they're going to repeal the legislation because, as I said, they want to use it. Uh, anyone that thinks that they're not is just fooling himself uh, for that one. So, yeah, it's a thing. I mean, uh, I'd like to say follow the money. Uh, I, I think that that was just something that... Um, uh, you know, is questionable. Um, there, there, there's got to be some something, a whiff of corruption there or, or some sort of money laundering scheme or something going on that would justify the building of that uh, for a virus that has a, a low fatality rate. Uh, so, yes, it's, I think it's, it's one of those things is that we're not going to find out what's going on um for that so yeah it, it's yeah it's just something that should never have been done uh, it's just something that you know we've we were coerced or uh hoodwinked by a corrupt corporate press into uh believing that these things needed to be built when they shouldn't have been built in the first place um so yeah i suppose this is only our own fault there now Speaking of something else that's our own fault is we're seeing a decline in children under five. Now, Australia's birth rate, we're having a bit of a baby drought and according to the Herald Sun today, there is call for a return of the baby bonus. Now, uh, way back when, what was it, 2004, uh, there was a baby bonus between three and nearly five and a half K uh, for uh, anyone that popped out a kid during that time. So this is the thing. I think that there is a need for the uh, population to increase. I think that these regimes are doing what they can to destroy the family to create a uh, situation where people don't want to have kids because of fear of the um, fear of the economy. Um, society's not getting safer, schools are indoctrinating our kids, all this sort of crap that's going on is deliberately done there to reduce our population and in which case it's going to literally crush the economy because there's going to have more people reliant on social welfare um, or social security than there is who can actually put money into the system. So one thing we know about taxation and the way that government spends money is that the borrowing the money can only last for so long. If they aren't able to tax people to refill the bank account, things are going to go skew if. And one way of that happening is, or one thing consequence of that happening is potentially the Great Reset and the devaluing of our currency and the implementation of the central bank digital currency. So um, there is a pretty little map in the Herald Sun and... It is concerning the amount of red in those areas um, that if you have a look at like what, Shepparton, over the last 10 years, a drop of 200, you know, 200 kids. Um, 2021, there was 4,078 under fives. 2011, there was 4,283. Some areas have gone up. Uh, A couple of areas stayed stagnant. But in the scheme of things, uh, it's it's actually even having a look at the rest of the country. It's not a good look. Uh, the only place it really stayed stagnant is most of WA because 
sometime there wasn't any. Um, but you know, it is it is it is something that that our politicians need to be doing something to change. Um, and yeah, it's if we don't pick it up soon, uh, I think we're all going to be in a deep load of doo doo. Uh, so yes, anyway, that one's that. Oh, what else is there to rant about today? Um, ah, oh, there we go. Where are we? Gosford City Council uh, has banned the Australian flag. Um, uh, you know, tempted to ask, you know, to comment more on it, but why? It just shows you why we don't need local governments. Uh, they're exceeding their authority, whether it's Melbourne City Council having heat offices or um, anything like that. They've exceeded their authority on what they are able to do. So, yeah, it's just something that, you know, we need to turn around and, and you know, uh, remove their legitimacy. Uh, so going on the heat offices, um, Melbourne City Council became the sixth city in the world to appoint chief chief heat officers to deal with life-threatening effects of climate change. Uh, long time ago, blah, 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 chief health officers, uh, chief heat officers, my bad. Um, doesn't actually say what they will do. Um... Oh, there you go. This is because uh, a, what is it, US-based Atlantic Council, Adrian Arst Rockefeller Foundation Resilience Centre. So they're getting funded by um, something to do with the the Rockefeller Resilience Centre. So anything that has funding from overseas, especially like that, you need to be aware of. Um, They will give the council approximately... $78,000 annually for climate change advocacy. Um, Our partnership with Arsht Rock will bring together experts, governments and decision makers to deliver solutions to keep Melbourne cool. Um, Arsht Rock spokeswoman Cathy Berman-McLeo said the council's appointments were further proof that a growing and urgent global movement is underway to protect people and local economies disproportionately affected by climate-driven extreme heat, the deadliest yet least understood of all climate hazards. Uh, Melbourne is the sixth city to create a chief chief heat officer with others. Uh, Miami-Dade County in the US, Athens, Greece, Freetown, Sierra Leone, Santiago, Chile and Monterrey, Mexico. Athens, Greece, Freetown, Sierra Leone, Santiago, Chile and Monterrey, Mexico. Um, uh, I don't know. It is claimed that by 2050 the city will experience an average of 16 days over 35 degrees. Fire days are projected to increase by 42% per year uh, and there will be a 20% less rainfall during spring. And yet, here we are now, and supposedly we've got a year's rainfall in some places in some day in a day. Um, mate, you can't make this stuff up. Uh, I really don't know what's going on in the world. As I said, I think they're in the um, clown world. So anyway, 
Um, one thing I did want to mention, leave this episode on, this is a bit of a, a, a sad one now, though it should be a warning to everyone um, about that slippery slope that we're on, and that is that a um, 23-year-old Belgian uh, young lady was able to um, 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 she, she was able to to, to legally kill herself um, in uh, at the start of the year. Now, uh, what happened is that this um, Shanti the court uh, opted to be euthanized after mental health strategies following Brussels airport bombing. Now, when she was seventeen, she narrowly escaped the terror attack in two thousand sixteen, but was left psychologically scarred. Uh, she suffered with severe depression and PTSD, twice attempting suicide. Um, the 23-year-old was euthanized earlier this year. Procedure legal under Belgium in Belgium under strict conditions. Now, um, it says her mother Marielle said she backed her choice, but a new neurologist called the decision premature. Uh, this is the slippery slope that we're on. Uh, we've allowed it to happen um, and to be accepted. Uh, because of the the old and the you know all that sort of stuff and, and everything like that, though so where do we draw the line now? Making this one a little bit of a challenge and, and potentially a bit hypocritical is that um, I believe that an individual's life is theirs. They live it how they want to live it. If they want to end it early, that's fine. Uh, though I don't believe that the government should be there giving people permission to do it. The government should be uh, doing what they can to, um, you know, in, in increase or to value an individual's life um, for that. So I, I think that this... Um, to, for uh, to allow a 23 year old to do that is very concerning um, from what I understand I think Canada's recently passed laws that doesn't have an age minimum age for uh, euthanasia um, or government supported suicide uh, for that one uh, so yeah it's the thing I mean what's going to happen how long is it going to be before it comes out here and it's just I don't know, man. You know, we, we got locked up for, for two years because it was all about saving lives and yet here we are um, in a situation now where we've just allowed someone to kill themselves. Um, so, yeah, it's, you know, I, I understand that this person went through some trauma and everything like that. I'm not saying that, you know, they should be everything would be rosy, but you know there there had to have been a way that society could have helped them without you know having them uh, take the uh, you know the extreme choice that they've taken, and it's just I don't know, man. It's it's just one of those things that you know you, you stop and think and you ask what what are we doing in the world? What you know. Did we ever think that, you know, 20 years ago would be in a society where we'd be 
reading about, uh, you know, a, a, a 23-year-old, um, you know, being allowed by the government to kill themselves. Um, you know, did we ever think that we'd, you know, see hospitals um, chopping the um, parts off young boys and chopping parts off young girls all because of some bizarre um, ideological, you know, reason, argument, belief, whatever it is. Uh, and so, yeah, it's... It is, it's, it's one of those things is that you do have to, as I said, what, what is society becoming? What is happening to the world? Um, and yeah, it's, I don't know, I, you, you really have to wonder um, what, what, what sort of world are we living? Um, what are we going to leave for our children? Um, so yeah, it's, I don't know. It is, it is just something that, um, yeah, it's, I don't know, I don't know how to describe it anymore um, because things are just getting to the point where, you know, uh, are we just making things worse for ourselves? Are we, you know, are we doing this to, um, you know, bring about the rapture or whatever whatever your view is the end of the world or anything like that um so yeah but anyway um on a bit more of a i won't say cheerier note um there was something in uh the spectator today by john riddick now john riddick is uh who is he let's scroll down to the bottom he's a new south wales uh candidate or something like that um, uh, can't see anyway. Um, so anyway, this is in the Spectator. So it says, um, ask a question about the Liberal Democrats. Are they a um, are they a bunch of uh, a party? Has been forced to ask itself, are we libertarian philosophers who dabble in politics or are we a libertarian party that seeks clout in parliament? Now, uh, my view is uh, for those in, in Victoria, uh, the Liberal Democrats in Victoria aren't a libertarian party. I don't even think that they're libertarian philosophers. I'd say that um, probably at a stretch, maybe they're um, classical liberal, uh, but they're not. So it's the thing is if we have a look at it, um, starts talking about... It uh, goes on about uh, New Zealand's Libertarian Party, uh, the ACT Party. Um, they've gone from having one MP to ten, they're winning seven point five percent of the vote. Um, but it's the thing is that I don't think that they're consistent enough with the message out here. Uh, that you know, it's not something that uh, everyone is on board with. Uh, the libertarian message is. I think lost 
on the uh, on Limbrick and Quilty uh, from you know things that I've as I've said before in the past they've they've never once talked about uh, decentralising the power of Victoria Police they've never mentioned anything about uh, getting rid of the Department of Edu- Education yes they do have a uh, what you could loosely call a uh, school choice uh, view. Though you know that's where the funding follows the child, not the institution or or the industry, uh, which is what we have. We have a massive education industry out here, uh, so I think that the funding should follow the child, which allows uh, parents to make a decision on where they want to send their children, what they want to do with their children, where they want to homeschool, uh, and all that sort of stuff. Um, and yeah, yet and yet, you know, in, instead of you know doing that, I mean. As I've said before, I've ranted about it yesterday uh, that uh, Limbrick went to, you know, decided to have the uh, legalisation of um, victimless cannabis crimes uh, as his policy platform, you know, policy launch and the, the big thing that he wants to rant about. Uh, yet, you know, why not turn around and say, you know what, we're going to defund the Department of Education. We're not going to have... Um, safe schools and all the um, alphabet dogma um, indoctrinating our children. I mean, that would have been such a far more impactful um, policy launch yet he decided to go with that. And, you know, it's the thing is that um, uh, he retweeted the uh, comment from Biden that Biden was going to uh, release any... Uh, anyone in federal prison because of a um, cannabis possession charge. Now, from what I understand about that, first of all, there's no one in federal prison for a cannabis charge. And if there is, it's because they were a dealer and that they've played down. So it's the thing, is Limbrick saying that dealers should get away with pleading, you know, if they plead down and go to this, that they should get away with what they've done, um, all that one. But hey, you know what? I can't expect him to uh, look into the nuances of things because he just saw the uh, flashing lights or, or the, the the trigger words that he wanted to see, and so that's what he's jumped on. Um, so yeah, uh, it's a thing. So now, anyway, going back to this article, uh, the liberal, De- liberal Democrats, as a party, need to state the obvious: we require a thriving coal industry until we are absolutely guaranteed non-fossil fuels, including nuclear, can replace it. Silence, silence condones Australia's self-harm. Now, if you're a libertarian, why is he using the language of the corrupt left? I mean, why call it a fossil fuel? Um, and, and, you know, mind you, this is something that I've only had my eyes open to recently, is about the more that we use the language that they've created, the more that we legitimise their argument uh, for that. So now he's gone. He goes on, hopefully renewals, renewables can one day replace fossil fuels, but it won't happen because of bureaucrats and crony capitalists. It'll be genius entrepreneurs competing in a free market. On government spending, we have campaigned on a 10% cut. Liberal Democrat Party members believe in a 30% plus cut. There's an endless largesse in the New South Wales budget. Uh, privately owned firearms are a counterweight to the power of the state and prevent tyranny. If households in North Korea, Iran, Cuba, etc. had access to firearms, tyrants would be imprisoned and those nations would still exist as flourishing entities. 
Australia's ingrained democratic ethos provides some protection against a permanent tyranny, as does our constitutional monarchy, but in the longer term, being disarmed means we are sitting ducks for the decades to come. This is far from the majority opinion, but the only hope we have of reform is if we make the case. Now, it's the thing. Uh, as I've mentioned before, I um, prior to the whole Wu-Flu stuff, um, I would have considered myself as a devout monarchist, constitutional monarchist, uh, though I believe that the monarchy has let us down over the last two years and uh, it's not going to uh, provide any protection against permanent tyranny. Uh, we've allowed that over the last two years, uh, potentially for another four, uh, depending on, actually no, will be for another four, regardless of who gets in because neither of them are going to turn around and say, hey, we're going to remove all these bills, we're going to take all the power away from these uh, bureaucrats, these appointed bureaucrats, and we're going to give it back to the people. We're going to, you know, give you agency to look after yourself. Um, as for the privately owned firearms one, well, I think you know my views on that one. Um, the state should not be the one that has the monopoly on violence. Uh, if someone comes and invades my home, what do I do? Do I say, hey, call call triple zero and wait an hour for them to turn up? Well, where's, where's the... Uh, the disincentive for people to do that. Um, you know, it's the thing is that if there was the possibility that these individuals would face lethal force when they invaded someone's home or, uh, you know, attempted to king hit someone in the street or attempted to steal someone's car, then they may think twice about doing it. Uh, and before you go, oh, no, but then that means there's going to be shootouts everywhere. Well, supposedly... Uh, there's um, motorcycle members and gang members that have firearms and, and all this sorts of nasty stuff that, you know, if we view, if we read the uh, Victoria Police stats and all that sort of stuff and why they need these firearm prevention orders, prohibition orders, um, that there's there. But there's no, you know, wild shootouts and anything like that. And, you know, there has been a few. Uh, we'll admit that. Uh, though, yeah, it's the thing. And, I mean, you know, they're the bad guys with guns. So, um, yeah, it, it's – I think it's something that we need to um, learn from what has happened in the past and what is 